Hey, you're listening to the Love Fiercely podcast. My name is Keila Craft Ambrose. This is a place to grow, be inspired, and to go deeper in the things of God. I hope you enjoy this episode. Hi. So, we are in an amazing series called It Is Written. And when Chapa told me about this series, I got really excited because I've been in a season of my life where um, I've kind of been delving into or going deeper into how the Word of God works in your life and how many of us don't work the Word of God into our life. And so we wonder why there's a deficit and we wonder why things aren't connecting and why we feel, feel powerless or why we have these feelings of... Um, like, I don't know where I belong, different things like that. And, and I've been thinking about how so often in our life we're not using the most powerful thing that we have access to. And I wanted to speak on tonight um, some scriptures in the Bible and some, some stories in the Bible that point to the phrase, it is written. Because it's something that actually in the Jewish culture that they used, that's how they used to talk about the Torah or their scriptures is they would say, it is written. And I'm not sure if this has already been covered in this series, but I wanted to break this down for you because um, this is something that people actually used to say when they were quoting scripture. So it was, it was like a common thing in a household to say, it is written, or it was written, or something like that. Obviously, it was in Hebrew, and I can't speak Hebrew, but I can Google Hebrew words. So <laughs> that's what I do. So the first recorded words of Jesus after his entrance into his ministry is a declaration of authority where he says, it is written. It's not on his own authority. It's on the authority of what God said. And I think a lot of times in our life, we are in a place where, like, doesn't everybody want to do something great? Yes. Yeah? Like, I want to do something great. And, and a lot of times you can feel this momentum in your life, and you can feel this thing of, like, maybe I'm going in the right direction. <laughs> and all of a sudden something bad happens or something frustrating happens, and you think that, all, like, you're out of place just because there's resistance. Um, and I'm going to show you a couple different examples of how this is probably actually a good thing in your life, and you need to know what to do when this happens. So I'm going to start in a place that's the beginning of the Bible. Does anyone know what that book is? Genesis. Genesis. You guys are theologians. That's amazing. So in Genesis, this is actually the title of my message tonight. It's, Did God Really Say? So in Genesis 3, 1 through 7, I'm just going to read the first part of this. It says, The serpent was more clever than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. The serpent said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from the fruit from the tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden. Do not even touch it. If you do, you will die. And then the serpent goes on to say, You will certainly not die. God knows that when you eat from the fruit of that tree, you will know things that you've never known before. Like God, you'll be able to tell the difference between good and evil. And I'm going to kind of break this down for you as we go, but the enemy wasn't lying to Eve when he was saying these things to her. So one of the things that he's doing right here is he's questioning, does she know what God said to her? And the enemy will always try to get you to question the words and actions of God, 
because he's hoping that you do not understand the power that it carries, and he's counting on the fact that you don't know the power that you carry through the word of God. And if you think about this, this is like the beginning of our history, okay? And we're, we're with God, we're in the garden, and in this um, context, God had spoken to Adam before Eve was made, and he told him, do not eat of the tree, and then he has to tell Eve. So Eve knows what God said, but she didn't have a personal revelation of it. So she knew what he said, but she wasn't able to act on what she knew. And I think that's where a lot of us find ourselves today. We come to church or we even read devotionals or maybe even read our Bible. Sometimes reading the Bible is hard. I don't know like what version of the Bible you read, but any version that is easy to read, that's what I read. So I, I read a lot, the NIRV, which is the New International Reader version. People are like, I didn't even know that exists. Yes, that's because that's what they write children's Bibles in. So... I read that version. If you're like me um, and you want to look for a great version of the Bible that's easy to read, <laughs> that's actually like contextually correct, okay, that's like a really good version. Now, I don't have pictures in my Bible. I wish I did. I need to find an adult Bible with pictures, side note. Um, I'm very visual. So, But for me, like thinking about this, this scripture, I'm thinking about how in my life, how many times have I heard a word from God or I've read something from God and I'm like, oh, that's good. Or I'm going to Instagram that. Or I'm going to save that. But I don't actually apply it. And I, I get frustrated because I know what God said, but I'm not seeing it working in my life because I'm not working with the word of God in my life. And so if you do not know the truth for yourself, the enemy's version of the truth will confuse you into giving up the authority that God's given you. And Adam, you know, he was instructed to tell Eve, like I talked to you about, and some of you are living on other people's words from God, and you wonder why you're unsure about God's truth in your own life. You see, I could tell you all day God loves you, but if you don't ever experience the love of God for yourself, you're going to question if it's true. And the enemy's going to be able to mess with you. And then I could, I could tell you something great up here. You could hear something amazing from Pastor Keith on the weekend. You could be like, wow, that's so good. But that doesn't resonate with my life right now because you've never experienced it. But maybe you're really hungry to experience it. And what I will tell you is that comes through your personal relationship and revelation with God. You might be introduced to an idea or introduced to who God is through somebody else, but God never meant for you to have a relationship with him through somebody else. I don't have a relationship with my husband through somebody else, thank God. It's personal. And that's the difference between us and every other quote-unquote religion. I don't know if you know this, Christianity is not a religion. It's a way of life. It's a relationship. It's a value system. It's a belief system. But more than that, it's real. It's an experience. It's, it's not just something that sounds cool or makes you feel good. Um, I think when you first become a Christian, I remember I was like five or something. I'm just kidding. I think I've been saved like over and over again in my life. Like I'm like, God, I need to rededicate my life to you. I just am not in the right place. And that's okay if you find yourself in that place or in that season. But what I'll tell you is that God's already chosen you before you've ever chosen him. So our only action towards him is to just say yes. 
to freedom and yes to his love. You don't have to work for it. You don't have to figure it out. But to experience it, you've got to take action on your beliefs. You have to move towards him to get close because the Bible says he stands at the door and he knocks. And something that I always tell the interns is I visualize the door with the handle on your side. God's waiting for you to take an intimate action towards him and then he has free reign to help you in your life and give you power and authority. So we must know what God really said, but it's not enough to not just know what God said. We have to do what God says. You see, Eve knew of the truth, but she didn't know it enough to use it. And I think like sometimes I found myself in this place, and it's not like an unchristian thing to do. Like It's normal because you're human. So you're going to have a lot of faith in God in one area and know what the Bible says and act on it. And then there's going to be certain areas of your life that you know the truth, but you're not actually acting or living in that truth. Because maybe sometimes you're not aware of it yet, and maybe sometimes you're not ready to give up your own way yet. And I think for me, there's been areas of my life that I haven't been willing to let go of. So I can sit there all day and be like, I know what God says about this, but I'm not seeing the fruit of what God says in my life because I'm not letting go of the control. And I'm not putting his truth over my truth. So we must apply the word. The enemy asked Eve, did God really say? And she had in that moment to use what God said, and she didn't. She was able to repeat back to the enemy what God said, and some of you guys can do that. Some of you are in a place today where you can't do that, and that's okay because I'm here to help you learn how to do that. But for so many of us, we can, we can think of situations right now in our life where we know what the Bible says about it, but we're not seeing the fruit of what the Bible says about it because we're not including the word of God in that situation and the truth of God in that situation. So if we don't understand the power of God and we don't use it, we will never see it in action and we will never know God's power in that area. And sometimes in our entire life. It's easy to say, God, I give my life to you. It's hard the second after that when you have to take action on it. (laughs) Because the first thing you're going to have to do is give up things that you like so that you can have better. But we don't like giving up the things that we like because we don't know that there's better. So if if you think about it in the Bible, I don't know if you've ever thought about this. I've thought about this deeply because I'm kind of uh, stubborn. I don't know if you guys are like that. Like someone tells me, I'm like, hey, which one should I get? They're like, that one. I'm like, I'm getting the other one. Like, (laughs) I don't know what that is about my personality, but that's how I am. I'm like, where should we go? I think we should go here once you say that idea. It's just, I don't know if it's rebellion. I don't know what it is. Um, But I think about why did God tell them they couldn't eat from a certain tree? Like, doesn't that seem weird? Like if God created all the trees, do you really think a tree was bad? No. No. I think God wanted to give us a choice. If we didn't have a choice to choose him and reject him, we would be robots. So he made it about something like a tree. Maybe for you, it looks like partying. Maybe for you, it looks like sex with somebody that you're not married to. Maybe for you, it looks like doing something that you know you shouldn't do. I don't really know what that is for you. But if you look at your life and you go, why is that that big of a deal? It's not that what you're doing is that big of a deal. It's the fact that that choice separates you from God. And so God gives us a choice to reject him so that we can have a choice to love him. You wouldn't have a choice to love him if you couldn't reject him. You would just be, like I said, a robot. So the reason why God gave them this choice of not eating from the tree and the reason why the enemy says to them, 
well, God told you that because then you're going to be like him and know good from bad. The reason why they, and that was true, by the way, that wasn't a lie. The enemy doesn't always lie to you. He just tells you half truth so you get confused. And in this moment, he's telling them a half truth because what he didn't tell them is that their action would lead them to knowing the difference between good and bad because they just stepped out of good and into bad. So a lot of times in our life, we say things like, well, I just need to figure it out for myself. Well, I just need to date around because I need to figure it out. Like, I don't want to just commit my life to somebody and then think I missed out. Or I'm just going to party in this season because it's the only season I have to party. Or whatever other excuse you give yourself. <laughs> I think we all do those kind of things. Like, I'm just going to eat this one last cookie because it's the last one, whatever it is. But, like, if you really think about it, we say those things, and what we don't realize is we're actually taking the best that God has for us, and we're saying, I don't want that. I'd rather have my version instead. And then we get mad at God when our life isn't working out the way that we thought it should. So when there's something in your life that's quote-unquote sin, which sin just means missing the mark. None of this is even in my notes. I don't know why I'm talking about it. But... Sin just basically means to miss the mark. Sin does not mean you're a terrible, terrible human. Sin just basically means you miss the mark and you got a separation between you and God. Now, it's very easy to close that gap. It takes one moment of you saying, God, I don't want to be that way. Help me. And then he's like, I forgive you. And then he forgets it. Literally says in the Bible, he throws into the sea of forgetfulness. <laughs> but a lot of us see this boundary of, hey, don't sin as like some weird religious thing. But it's actually not, because boundaries were created to give you the possibility of maximum benefit wherever you're planted. So God gives us a boundary so that we can have the best. And if you want God, if you want what God has for you, you have to have a direction. Now, having a direction or having a structure is frustrating at times because it doesn't, it doesn't like feed your comfort. But being great is never gonna feed your comfort. To be great, you have to constantly make yourself uncomfortable. You have to constantly give up things that you want for something better, and you're never going to know what's better if you're not willing to let go of what you have. So with God, you always have a choice and you always have a chance. So it doesn't matter how many times you messed up. It doesn't matter how many mistakes that you've made. With God, you always have a choice and you always have a chance until you breathe your last breath. And I don't even know if beyond that... You might still have a choice and a chance, but all I know is that while I'm living, I have a direct connection with God. I don't have to go through a priest. I don't have to sit at confessional. I don't have to ask my pastor. I can talk directly to God because of the Holy Spirit. You have direct access to your creator. So in John 10, 10, I want to give you some advice here. You shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. That sounds nice. So what does knowing the truth mean? Well, if you don't live according to the truth, you will always think that what you're facing now is your reality. In my life, a lot of times, I've been freaking out or frustrated or angry or hurt. And I'm sitting there in this moment, and it's almost like, have you ever seen those people with those goggles on? They have, like, the virtual reality things, and they're like, it's funny, they're in the mall, and they have, like, these stanchions around them, and they're like, and you're like, what is that person doing? I wonder what they're seeing. Sometimes they project it on a screen in front of them, and it's really cool. But you've created this alternative reality, and God's sitting there going, hey, if you just know the truth, 
You can take off those goggles and see what the actual truth is in the situation. You don't have to be bound by that. And while you're freaking out, not knowing where you're going, following this, this reality that's in your head, God's like, hey, I'm right here. I can help you. Follow me. And you're like, I don't know. I just, I see this thing. I need to go for it. And he's like, I have something better. And we're like, I don't know. I just, I gotta, I gotta be in the right season. You know, I'm really busy right now with work and I don't know if I want to go to church. I don't know if that doesn't fit into my schedule to spend time with God. Uh, <laughs> I don't know about you, but I've lifted up people's voice and my situation higher than God at times. And God wants us to not forget our hurts and not forget our situation, but he just wants us to acknowledge his voice and his truth as greater than our situation and greater than the voices. We have to make what Jesus did for us bigger than what they did to you or what's happened to you or what's happening right now. And when you do that, the truth will always set you free. You'll never be bound to an alternative reality. I don't know about you also, but like in my life, I'm like, it would be so much easier if I could just see Jesus, if I could just personally experience him and visualize him. Like, has anyone ever thought that? Like, it would be so much easier if he was here. Like, yeah. it would be so much easier. But let me give you some examples. So the disciples had seen God move and they had seen Jesus do miracles, and yet they still doubted in the moment that what they had and what they needed when it didn't match up. They had Jesus. They seen him do miracles, and still they doubted. They knew what Jesus was capable of. They knew Jesus personally, but they did not live in the moment according to that knowledge. They found themselves in a boat freaking out when Jesus was already with them. They knew what he could do. They knew there was something different about him, but it wasn't knowing enough to actually act on it. So probably him being here wouldn't be enough motivation for us. Many of us live beneath the place that God has planned for us because we've made something more powerful than God in our lives. Everyone wants like God to speak to their storm, but they don't want to be in the boat facing the storm. Everyone wants the walls to fall like Jericho, but they don't want to walk around the walls calling the victory down. Action is the proof of your belief. It doesn't go the other way around. The enemy will always try to get you to freak out or question something that God already has control over so that you try to do it on your own. And if we don't know what God says, we're going to fall for it every time because it's going to be easier. If you're ever taking the easier choice, you can know it's probably not God unless you have peace, like real peace which if you don't know what peace is, it's like different than just feeling calm or happy. It's like this inner knowing. And I don't know how else to explain that except for to, to tell you that the Bible says that it's a peace that passes all understanding. You can't make sense of it. You can't reason it. It's just there and it's not going away. Who you say God is and what you believe he can do will either enable or disable him to move in your situation. God is all powerful. He's all knowing. He's all present. He's all the alls. But we have the choice to invite him into our situation. Don't get mad at God when you didn't invite him to the party and the party didn't go the way you wanted it to. It's easy to point the finger. 
not easy to point the finger at the normal, actual problem in our life. Because God's not the problem. He's the answer. So we can't a lot of times see past the problem in our life. And I don't know if you've realized this, but the Bible is full of people with issues. And we know them not by their name, but by their issue. We can't see past our problem. And these people are similar to us because they're identified by their circumstance instead of who they are in God. Now, maybe some of them were healed and they got out of that and we never really got to know their names either. But I don't want to be a person who's known by my problems. I don't want to be a person that's known by my issues. I don't want to walk around having issue after issue after issue. I want to have miracle after miracle after miracle. Because the truth will constantly set me free if I apply it. And so we have to make God bigger than our issue or our problem. Too often we consult our emotions instead of the Holy Spirit. We say things like, I don't feel like it. Or I just feel this way. Or I'm just having this kind of day. What happened to the authority that you have over your mind, your body, and your world? Because God created the world with words. We're supposed to do the same thing. And a lot of times we're creating a world out of default rather than by design. We say things like, I am having panic attack. I have anxiety. I'm depressed. I don't want to live. My life's not worth living. All those things are creating your world. And to be completely honest, in my life and in, like, people that I've come into contact with in the past couple years, I'm so tired of personally putting more weight and more authority on those declarations rather than the word of God in my life, which is actually the truth. It's not like a fallback plan. It's the only plan that's going to work. So a lot of us think, we think and we hear things from God, but we don't say it or live it, and therefore we never get to see God's power active and working in our lives because we know it, but we don't sow it into our own life. We reach out for words from God in podcasts, YouTube channels, church on Sundays, small groups, and young adults. And yet, we never use what God's already said in our own life. We're just wanting another word, another word, another word. Is another word really going to change your life, or is it the word you already know that you haven't yet applied? Because the word of God is never changing. You might hear from a different voice, but the truth is the truth is the truth is the truth. So you're never going to get a word that does something in your life if you can't apply what you already know. You can't just know God's words. You have to know God. People in my world and at sometimes me, I'm more concerned with acting like, looking like, more than having or being. Why do we find it easier to act than to be? We come to church acting like a Christian. We leave church acting like a wild person. We go to the club acting like a clubber. We are in our house acting like whatever we are. People want to look smart, so they repeat what smart people say. People want to look rich, so they act rich and spend money instead of saving it to become rich. People want to look like they're wanted, so they stay busy, and then they go home depressed, feeling alone. People want to look like they have love because they don't want to do the work to have real love or wait for the real love. I don't want to look free. I want to be free. I don't want to look saved. I want to be saved. I don't want to look healed. I want to be healed. I don't want to look blessed. I want to be blessed. And our perspective is very powerful. What you give priority to is what you will perceive most in life. If you give power to your depression, which depression is real, but it's not more real than the word of God. 
And it's not more powerful than the truth of God. And if you're finding yourself bound and out of control, that shows me that you're not living in the truth because the truth will set you free. Satan tempts Jesus right out of his baptism. I don't know if you've ever realized this. I think I spoke about this a couple months ago, but this is like stuck with me and it applied to this message. So I wanted to bring it back because Satan tempts Jesus right out of his baptism. And not only that, the Holy Spirit led him into the temptation. Cool. Thanks, Holy Spirit. Because the enemy does this because he knows that Jesus is about to walk into who God's called him to be. He's about to be launched into his ministry. And the enemy knew that if he could distract Jesus before he walked into his doing, he could possibly stop what was possible. Every time in your life, the enemy will attack you before you do. If you're having faith in an area, if things are going good, if you're committing your life to God, the enemy will try to get you off track. So remember what I said in the beginning, where you're trying to do the right things and your things start to go really good. Like Jesus had just been baptized. God had just audibly said, this is my son. And for the first time acknowledged him. Like we've had those moments in worship or on a weekend where we're like, God, you see me and you're real. And then all of a sudden we leave. And that next week we're like, what is this life? What? I don't, this is not the life I wanted. And we get confused because then we think like, was that really God? Was that really a God moment? Did God really say that to me? Did God, is God really real? And what we don't realize is just like in Luke, the wilderness, the temptation is what enabled Jesus to go to his next level. Can you apply the word of God in your life, no matter if it looks good, no matter if it looks bad? Because it's in applying the word of God that you find your authority in God. And you realize that you don't have to be controlled by what the world's doing. You don't have to be controlled by what your life looks like. You don't have to be controlled with your bank account number. You don't have to be controlled with what the doctors say. You don't have to be controlled by any word of a man or a woman or an opinion. Because the truth of God should be in place over those things. Jesus used the word of God against the enemy's accusations. And if Jesus had to use the word of God, we need to. The enemy tried to get Jesus to put something before who he was. Jesus proved who he was by knowing God, not by who he was. He proved who he was by knowing God. You're going to prove who you are to the enemy and the authority that you have by knowing God. You can say, devil, you have no place in my life. And guess what that does? That automatically invites him to come in and attack you more. But if you know what God says about you and you said, in the name of Jesus, not in the name of Kila. I rebuke you, Satan. Because of who God is, you now have power over the enemy. So many times in our life, we're inviting the enemy's power into our life, and we're not using the power that we've already been given. In the Bible, all of Jesus' responses were about who God was and who God is, not about who Jesus was. Sometimes we walk into a place and we think things like, do you know who I am? This should not be happening to me. Like, maybe if you've ever gotten sick, you're like, I take care of my body. I work out every day. Guess what? We live in a fallen world. We live in a world where things can happen, and God did not cause them, but God will use them for your good. And we can use these excuses all day, like, I've tried to be a good Christian. I've tried to do it God's way, and it's not working out. I've felt that way before, that I've tried to do it all the right ways. But you know what I realize? I'm not applying the word of God. 
So I could try all day. I could work all day. I could go to church and feel like a great Christian and feel good about myself. But if I don't act on my belief, I will never see the power of God in my life. And I will wonder why the fruit that's coming out of my life does not look like the fruit of the Spirit. In Deuteronomy 8.3, Moses talks about how the Lord humbled the people and fed them with manna, which is an unusual kind of food. It's bread. That they might learn that man did not live by bread only. The term bread that's used here means very often, or in Hebrew it means a thing. So many of us live by and are supported by and founded on things or people or what is so often happening in our lives. And when those things get taken away, we freak out and we're like, God, where are you? And he's like, I'm not a thing. I'm not this thing that you look at that's just this very often common thing, I'm God. So we wonder why our life falls apart every couple months. It's because you're waiting for the bread to fall down from heaven to secure your salvation, to make you feel good about being a Christian, to make you feel good about the choices you're making. When you're founded on God, it doesn't matter what things look like financially. It doesn't matter what things look like physically. It doesn't matter what things look like emotionally because you know that God's in control and you're going to submit to him. Simply put, what this was saying in Deuteronomy was that God could support our life by something other than bread. And it's by every other thing which proceeds out of his mouth. Man can live by everything that his maker has commanded. God made bread. You think he can't give you some? If you submit to God, you can have all the bread you want. God gave you your health. You think he can't give you some more? Use his word and everything that he's commanded, you'll have authority over. You don't have authority over your body if you're not submitted to God. You don't have authority over your emotions and your mind if you're not submitted to God. You could say all day, God help me, God help me. But if you don't know how to help yourself and invite God in, you're just living as a victim instead of a victor. You've already won. The Bible says that God goes before you and he prepares the way. So if you're not walking like you're a freaking boss, you don't know that you're an heir in the kingdom and when you're an heir in the kingdom, you don't question your identity just because a circumstance looks different. You could be dressed as a beggar, but know that you have a crown. It doesn't matter what your situation looks like right now. You have a king and you have a father that his truth is over and bigger and greater than anything that you can look at right now. And you need to remind yourself of that when you start feeling depressed, when you start feeling anxiety, when you start feeling pain and hurt that was from your past. Remind yourself, I'm not bound by this reality. I know what God says about this. And I'm gonna live according to that truth, not what I feel. So over and over, we see Jesus answer the enemy by saying, it is written. And you know what happens in Matthew? The enemy even says back to him, because I don't know if you know this, but the devil knows the Bible. So do demons. <laughs> it's not like unusual, like if the enemy knows the Bible and you don't, don't you think he's gonna use the word of God against you? You've gotta know what God actually says, and then you've gotta use it. So. The enemy tries to confuse Jesus here, tries to tell him, but it is written. And Jesus comes back, not with whatever. He says, it is also written. 
and trumped him with what the word of God also said. Your life is telling a story every day. Is it one of victory or is it one of defeat? If you call yourself a Christian and you do not have any power against the enemy, either you choose to not access it or we do not know the same God. God's word in your mouth is a weapon. And I wanna read this last scripture to you and then I'm gonna pray, but in 2 Corinthians 3, one through 14, I'm not gonna read all of it, but it basically says, are we beginning to praise ourselves again? Some people need letters that speak well of them. Do we need those kinds of letters, either to you or from you? You yourself are our letter. You are written on our hearts. Everyone knows you and reads you. You make it clear that you are a letter from Christ. You are the result of our work for God. You are a letter written, not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God. You are a letter written not on tablets made out of stone, but on human hearts. Through Christ, we can be sure of this before God. In ourselves, we are not able to claim anything for ourselves. The power to do what we need to do comes from God. And then it goes on to say at the very end in verse 17, now the Lord is the Holy Spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is there is freedom. It also says we are being changed to become more like him so that we have more and more glory. And this glory comes from the Lord who is the Holy Spirit. You are a letter from God to the world. What does your letter speak of? Does it point to the truth of God or are you questioning his word with your letter? I'm tired of hearing people declare that they are depressed, that they have anxiety, that their life isn't good enough and they never declare God's word. We wonder why our lives look like they do. If we wanna see something different, we have to say something different. Your life follows your declaration. I'm tired of our generation being medicated. I'm tired of our generation believing the declarations that have been over our life. I'm tired of the enemy telling you have truths and you believing them. I'm tired of him winning in any moment in my life. Did God really say that you're more than a conqueror? Did God really say that you are more than healed? Did God really say you are loved and nothing can separate you from that love? Did God really say that you're chosen? Did God really say that he formed you in your mother's womb and there's no flaw in you? Did God really say I have a plan and a purpose? Did God really say I'm gonna use everything for your good? Because if you know those truths, any other half truth won't stand. And we, as a generation, need to stand up and say, I'm no longer gonna declare the words of the enemy over my life more than the word of God because the words of the enemy will keep you bound and cursed, but the truth will set you free. If you're ready, like me, to declare the truth and live in freedom, all I'm gonna do is I'm just gonna ask you to stand. You could, be, you could be receiving Jesus for the first time or you could be just standing up for yourself or someone you know and you're saying, I'm gonna take the truth, not a half truth. I'm not gonna count, just stand. Because it's gonna take boldness before the enemy, before God to say, I choose your way. And you know what happens as we stand? It's like a light from the earth to heaven. And God's saying, you're my person. 
Don't you want God to know who you are intimately because you want to get to know him, not just because he created you? Right now, God knows exactly where every single one of you are. He knows what you're facing. He knows what you're going through. He knows what you're going to face in the future. And we need the word of God. We need to know his truth to not only face the future, but to know how to win. It's very simple in the Bible how you win. You believe what God says over anything else. And when you believe what God says, you start to see what he's saying in your life. So let's all say something together because we could think things in our head all day. But until we say it out of our mouth just like God did to create the world, our world's not going to change. So let's all say this together. Say, God, I want your truth. I choose your truth over anything else. And anything that's kept me bound, that's kept me stuck, that's left me in the dark, I let it go. I give it up. It's yours. I trust you, God. God, I thank you for every single person that's standing. God, I thank you that just like I said, you see them, you know them, you know exactly where they're at today. And the thing that you'd want them to know more than anything is that they're loved. That you have a plan for them to prosper them. God, that you have a future that's great. And it's going to require us taking some action in our life, just like we stood up tonight. To prove, not to you, but to the enemy and to ourselves that we're gonna use your truth over any other truth that would try to keep us down, that would try to keep us where we're at, that would try to keep us comfortable. Because God, if there's one thing I know about you, it's that your love confronts us, not to push us away and not to make us feel bad, but it confronts us to come closer. It confronts us to, to accept who you are and not look at what we're not. Because God, when you're looking at us, you're not looking at all the things we aren't. You're looking at who you are in us. And you're looking at what works. You're looking at what's possible. You're looking at the destiny and the calling that we have that you've given us. And God, I thank you that any lies of the enemy cannot stand in this room. God, any plans of the enemy cannot stand in this room. In Jesus' name, God, we call your plans higher, your plans greater, your plans more powerful. So when those thoughts start to creep in, even after this moment that we have tonight, to say, did God really say that? Was that really real? God, we can count on you. God, we can declare when we feel depressed that I am more than a conqueror, that I receive joy, that I receive peace, that I am powerful in your name. When I start feeling anxiety, when I start feeling panic, God, I can say out of my mouth that I am a person whose mind is set on peace. That, God, I will trust in you. That your ways are higher. Your thoughts are higher. I'm not controlled by my emotions. I'm not controlled by my body. And in Jesus' name, God, take your authority. God, any moment in my life, if I'll just speak out, you get involved. And I pray tonight that you would remind us, that the Holy Spirit would remind us, just like the Bible says, to do what we know to do, to remind us of what we've been taught so we can use it. And in Jesus' name, I'm declaring these people that they're walking in victory. From today forward, they're no longer falling prey to the enemy. They're no longer falling for the half-truths, but they're going to walk in your truth and walk in your freedom. In Jesus' name, amen.
Thank you for listening to the Love Fiercely podcast. I would love for you to subscribe to personally receive weekly encouragement. Also, check out my blog at keelacraftambrose.com for monthly content. Don't forget to follow me on Facebook and Instagram at Keela Craft Ambrose.